Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the true story of a New York City boy with big town hopes and small neighborhood dreams of becoming BFFs with the Real Housewives and other Bravo celebrities. Then, one day, that dream actually came true. Let me take you behind the velvet rope. Hey guys, this is David. Welcome back behind the velvet rope. Let's just get right into it today because we are joined by Dr. Michelle Lee from the new. I'm so excited the show is back and reincarnated Dr. 90210 on E. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. What are you up to today? I am just in the middle of clinic and we have a little spot so I get to talk to you. And are you, so you're in LA, right? Like you're right in the center of LA? Yes, I mean the heart of Beverly Hills. That's nice. So how is that? Are you guys, what have you been up to during quarantine? Like is your practice like fully back open now or what's, I mean, I, I know you guys kind of shut down again. Yeah, so we were shut down for about two months between March and May when everyone had the sheltering place, um, in place. But we're back since May, and, you know, actually, David, we've been busier than ever. I think the entire cosmetic industry has been seen in a boom. Like, now everyone has time to recover from surgery, so it's, it's crazy, actually. I, I said that at the beginning of quarantine. I was like, in addition to everything else, this is, like, the perfect time to get something done because, like, you can't go out. Oh, I know. Um, I have patients who say, you know, usually we travel uh, to France for the summer, but now I just have surgery. <laughs> did you find, because like, I know in New York, and I would imagine in Beverly Hills, like, did you find during like the heart of being locked down, like, you know, there were those clients that were like, listen, could you come over? Could I sneak a little something? Oh, yeah. Like people wanted me to go to their house for Botox. People wanted to sneak in surgeries. And I'm like, no, guys, this is, you know, it's a facelift. You know, you do not need to put your life in danger for this. Right. You're like, well, you know, Beverly Hills, New York, it's kind of the same thing. Yeah, for sure. So did you always, like, where are you from originally, like, growing up? Like, re- what, was it always medicine for you? Or did you, like, how did you fall into medicine? Oh, no. So I grew up in San Diego. I was actually a piano performance major in college. So I did not even know that I wanted to be a doctor at all. Um, 
actually, I used to pass out when I, when I see needles, and I can never look at violent scenes um, in movies. Really? <laughs> so it's really that I'm a surgeon. Um, so I majored in music in college at UCLA, and um, I just, for a while, I was performing all across Europe, but it was so lonely for me to be performing on stage all by myself. And then, you know, piano is not a... a, a like a chamber instrument where you play with other musicians, either you're the soloist or you're the soloist with an orchestra. And also um, it's very, very challenging to be a musician and make a career out of it. And my taste, to be honest, is way too bougie for the budget of a musician. <laughs> so I didn't really know what I wanted to do. We um, did a series of concerts for something called Fresh Start uh, Surgical Gifts. It's for plastic surgery patients who couldn't afford plastic surgery, but mainly reconstructive surgery. And I was like, oh, wow, this is really cool. Like this surgery is about art, it's about science. So I'm like, you know, maybe maybe this is more for me. So I applied to medical school and, and here I am like 15 years later. <laughs> wow, I mean, that's kind of a roundabout way to fall into medicine. Yeah, for sure. Did you love it right away, like when you were in med school, or were you just like, oh, I mean, because that's hard, medical school? Medical school was very challenging, especially, so I didn't have any science background going in. I was wow. a music major, right? So, like, all my classes were, like, African dance, <laughs> like, you know, like, harp or whatever. And then, like, you know, my finals were performances. Um, so, medical, I didn't have the biology background, so it was very, very challenging for the first um, couple of years, but I'm someone who loved working with my hands and, you know, plastics, there's a huge artistic component to it, right? So you have to have good taste and good aesthetic sense. And that's something that came really naturally to me. And as a pianist, I always was, you know, using my fingers. So surgery came really naturally to me, but the book part of medicine was very challenging. I would think so. I took an AP like bio course in high school because I went to law school in like another life. I was a lawyer and I oh wow. I took like an AP bio course and I'm like, yeah, this medical school thing, it's just not going to work for me. So <laughs> did you always know you wanted to go into plastics like once you got to medical school or it just kind of came to you? I want, so I for sure wanted to do something very artistic. If I couldn't be a plastic surgeon, I probably would not be in medicine. Just because first of all, like plastic surgeons are the, is, are the only doctors that people want to see. Like you can't think of another doctor, right? No, my husband is a neurosurgeon. No one wants to go see him. No one ever says, I love getting my spine surgery, <laughs> you know? So, and it's, such an amazing field you combine art you combine science and you can see what you're doing like you know like every other thing like when you get your appendix out it's not like you can say oh wow my surgeon did such a great job like it's all inside but plastic so you can see everything it's so amazing and like to your point I never thought of it like that but people do they're excited to go see their plastic surgeon I mean yeah and dermatologist Yes, you know, but there's something about like elective surgery, like when you have the choice of being there or not. Yeah, you're and excited. I'm a very happy person, so I want to make people happy. And most of my patients are really happy people. They, you know, they want to do something to make themselves feel better. You know, like, you know, like I give so much credit to oncologists, but like most of their patients, when they go see them, they have some very serious things going on. You know, and. I hope no one has to see an oncologist. I'm so glad they're there, but, right? Totally. I mean, that's, that's a good point. 
Listen, I love going to see my plastic surgeon, so we'll just leave it at that. Is there any, you know, is, are there do's and don'ts? Like, what's your theory on plastic surgery? Like, do you have, like, a don't list? Do you have, like, a, you know, are there things that you just, like, this is things to avoid? Well, the first thing is that you should find a board-certified plastic surgeon, right? So aesthetics, the aesthetic market, there's so many doctors. There are dentists who are doing breast augmentations. You know, like in the United States, it's not as heavily regulated as other countries. So you want to make sure that your plastic surgeon is a board-certified plastic surgeon by the American Board of Plastic Surgery. That's first baseline. And then after that, it really depends what the rapport you have with your surgeon, right? You're trusting your surgeon with the most intimate, um, it's the ultimate trust, right? So you have to make sure that your vision and your surgeon's vision are aligned, you know, and then your taste and your surgeon's taste are aligned. And everyone, you know, everyone says they want to look natural, but natural means different things to different people. <laughs> that is true. Do you see differences? I mean, I know you're in LA, like, do you see differences between LA plastic surgery and say like New York? or other parts of the world? A huge difference. So I practiced for three years in Chicago, and in the Midwest, the, the overall aesthetic is very different than the Los Angeles aesthetic, you know? Um, I think in Los Angeles, people, in my personal view, a lot of people look a little overdone. It, like, I can walk down the street and be like, oh, rhinoplasty, lip filler. Like, I can point out the procedures they've had. Whereas I think in other parts of the country, it's a little bit more understated. You just say, oh, this person looks pretty good. You know, I don't know if it's the taste of the region, but, you know, my hope is that as a plastic surgeon here, I will kind of bring a more subtle, natural look back to Los Angeles. That, I mean, I, I think it's a little different in L.A. as well. Yeah, yeah. Do you find, like, is there any, is, is less more to you? Like, you know, do you think, like, are you, because I think there's different theories of plastic surgery. Yeah. Like, do you have that, like, more is not always better, like, to your point, like, when people look overdone? Or do you think there's something to be said about that overdone look? Well, I think what's so interesting about aesthetics in 2020 is that there's not one standard. If you want to have a very overdone look, go for it. If that's your look, that's your look. Um, just make sure you find a plastic surgeon who can deliver that look for you and share your vision. For me personally, I don't like an overdone look because I think we should respect our natural anatomy, you know, and that's my personal view. Do you ever find yourself saying no where someone comes in and they're just like, I really want this or I really want that. And you're just like, no. I mean, like, where's that fine line with surgeons, you know, where you're like, this is just not something you should want. And I'm, I'm personally not going to do it. All the time, you know, um, patients say like, oh, I want, for example, a really, really large breast implant. I would say, you know, that's, that's first of all, not, I don't think it will look good on you. I don't think it's safe for you to have such a large implant. There are hundreds of plastic surgeons in Los Angeles. I'm sure you'll find one who will do that for you. It's just not me. And also, all my patients are billboards like for myself, right? So I don't want them to walk around looking crazy and they say, who did that? It's like, oh, Dr. Michelle Lee down the street over here. <laughs> totally, totally. Do you find, you know, because I would always, I just have this question, you know, like with any doctor, like do you find, like I have a friend who's an interior designer and he's like, I can't 
you know, I don't judge others, but I just can't go into a house. Like it's in the back of my head. I am rearranging that house the minute I walk in. Like when you see other people, do you say like, okay, well that person could use this, maybe a little bit of this, or they've had good plastic surgery. Like, can you tell when someone's had stuff done? Immediately. Really? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, because I think for me, when I talk to someone, I, I'm not really judging their their looks because I want to hear what they have to say. But if something looks really surgical, and then I'm like, oh, don't look at that area. Like, so I'm trying to look somewhere else. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, you're so weird. <laughs> like, you just can't help it almost because that's what you do. Yeah, for sure. Have you ever had, like, do you still get excited? Do you have, like, really challenging cases? Like, have you ever had, like, a really challenging case where someone comes in, you know, like the cases we see on TV and we'll get into Dr. 90210 in a few minutes where you're just like, either the person wants something so outlandish or it's just such a challenging case. Like what's just kind of like an interesting case that you had? Um, well, I think in terms of challenging cases, it's really, it's really understanding the person's expectations. So sometimes um, their anatomy simply won't meet their expectation. Like, you know, you just can't make a nose so small on someone's face where I'm going to just obstruct your breathing. Do you know what I mean? And those are all really challenging cases. And also revision surgery, those are really challenging cases too. Um, I see a lot of revisions, facelifts and revision of rhinos, and you have no idea what's happened. And this is what's so fascinating about plastics is that there's no cookie cutter answer to everything, right? So everyone's different. So to me, um, every case, it's challenging its own way. Does that make sense? That makes sense. I mean, it's just such a broad field and there's so many things. What are like some of the trends now? You know, like for a while, like everyone wanted like Kim Kardashian's ass and like Kylie Jenner's lips, you know, like like what are the trends in 2020 that you are seeing? And and do a lot of people come in and like bring pictures of celebrities and say like this is what I want and compare themselves to celebrities? That trend, thankfully, has gone away. I think people realize that beauty today is much more inclusive, and they no one really wants to look like someone else anymore. At least not my patients. They just want to look like themselves, but better. Um, some trend I'm seeing is that people are going back to a more natural look. Bigger implants are being taken out. People want little implants. People want a more natural way of doing plastic surgery, which is really like my aesthetic profile. So I'm like, oh, thank God. (laughs) Um, You know, people want little uh, breasts. People, they don't want to have exaggerated body features anymore. Um, Also, I think there's a huge trend towards using your own body's healing powers to, you know, instead of using fillers, they're doing, you know, a fat or, you know, using Sculptra, which is a biostimulant for your body to generate its own collagen. How good, I mean, speaking of fillers, like how good are fillers? So like, for instance, like I, I get fillers and I get Botox, well, Dysport, like, is there ever a time as we get older when it's just, it's not going to work? Like you're going to have to go for that facelift or can someone get pretty much into a certain age with fillers and Botox and really accomplish most of what they want? So it's a, it's a complicated answer because fillers and Botox are so amazing. They like, you know, sculpt the cheekbone, they like soften the lines. And I use it all the time. Like, you know, half my practice is non-invasive treatment. 
but there's a caveat. So I'm starting to see facelift patients where they've had so much non-invasive procedures done that by the time they get their first facelift, things are scarred down. You know, there's so much scar tissue in the, the face that it's almost like a revision facelift and everything doesn't move anymore because your skin has been poked and prodded that I think you, facelifts will be very challenging in the next 15, 20 years when you, the new generation of patients who have gotten so much non-invasive stuff done, that facelifts is going to be very challenging for the plastic surgeon. Oh, really? Why? Just because the face is more frozen or it's been through so much? It's been through so much, has formed so much scar tissue. But, you know, you can't keep on filling the face, right? Because it's not natural to be Wait, before we continue this conversation, I really need to talk about something. I need to tell you guys about Care Of. It is a wellness brand and it makes it so easy to maintain your health goals with a customized vitamin plan. It not only helps you feel your best today, but really supports you long term. And this is hassle-free. It's vitamins and supplements delivered right to your front door. Now, what I think is one of the best things about Care Of is the online quiz. It is literally, it's a fun quiz. It takes about five minutes and asks you questions about your diet, your lifestyle, and any health concerns you have to achieve your specific wellness goals. I mean, the questions really are fun. It kind of gives you like an in it kind of gives you an insight into your life and makes you like look at things like it asks you how much sleep do you get how often do you work out do you follow any particular type of diet and really like what are you concerned about your hair your skin you know your overall wellness the health of your nails it really it's it covers everything so the quiz is really fun and then the thing is right then and there there's no waiting at the end it tells you what they recommend. For me personally, you know, we're heading into the winter. I want to lean out a little bit. I need more energy. I want to get some more sleep. I just want a clear mind. I want to be very focused and productive. So these are the things that were important to me. And of course, I care about the health of my hair and my nails and my skin. I mean, looking good is important. So these are the things that were kind of my focus. And then for me, it recommended a complex Viva, a complex B vitamin, a calcium vitamin, electrolytes, and this great whey protein. Let me just tell you, the quality of this whey protein is, I don't know if you've taken like protein powders in the past, a lot of them don't taste good. This tastes so good and it has wholesome ingredients. And I love that you can recognize the ingredients like organic cocoa. I know what that is. Pink Himalayan sea salt. So I love the fact that I could recognize the ingredients and it really tastes good. And also what I love is each recommendation comes in an individually wrapped packet. So I don't know about you, but the pharmacy aisles are so confusing to me where everything is lumped together. This gets you back on a schedule and everything is one per packet or two per packet, whatever the dosage is, it's in its own packet. So it really helps you get on a schedule. I cannot speak highly enough about Care-of. Take the online quiz and then these vitamins and supplements will come right to your front door. And I really would love to hear what everyone's like health goals and wellness goals are and what was recommended for you guys. Now here's the thing. Because you listen to the Behind the Velvet Rope podcast, you're getting 50% off your first order. So go to TakeCareOf.com. That's TakeCareOf.com. And you enter the code, code VELVET50. 
That's Velvet50. And if you enter Velvet50 after you go to takecareof.com, you're going to get 50% off your first order. It's that simple. Go in, fill out the quiz, answer the questions honestly, and these vitamins and supplements and powders, everything is going to come to your front door. And I don't know, I feel much better already, but that's just me. Can't wait to hear what you guys think. Thank you for listening. Now back to the show. Loaded looking, right? You want to have the curves. You want to have the contours. You want to, if something has drifted down because of gravity, you want to reposition that tissue instead of just increasing the size. So, I mean, an overfilled face does not look natural, even though you haven't gone under the knife. That's true. That is true. PSA for the day. <laughs> no, I mean, listen, so, these, are, these are all good questions. Um, what about, do you, so now, before we switch into Dr. Nano Tuno, did you, were you a fan of reality TV? Like, do you watch reality TV? You don't all have the time. To, really? Okay, I love Selling Sunset. <laughs> Let me tell you something. It is the best show that's on TV at the moment. It is. It makes me want to be a real estate agent, like, in another life. It is. I mean, it's weird because, like, it really, that's, like, a show that, like, benefited from quarantine. Like, I don't even remember season one. I, I didn't watch it. And then I was like, I can't watch another reality TV show. It's who has time for this? I watched, like, 10 minutes of the pilot, and I'm like, this is the best show I've ever seen in my whole life. Right. Well, until Dr. Nile 210. Well, that's what we're going to get into. <laughs> What are some of, do you, do you know any of like the Selling Sunset people? I mean, cause you're in LA. I don't, I, but you know, I wish I can run into them. <laughs> do you watch any of like the housewives, like Beverly Hills housewives, OC housewives, any of that? I do. I watch the Beverly Hills housewives and you know, actually um, I'll share a, a funny moment from filming the show. So we were filming around Beverly Hills, right outside of Lisa uh, Vanderpump's Villa Blanca. And all of a sudden, I'm just like, well, they're just filming me walking down the street. And all of a sudden, this woman starts walking next to me. And I'm like, who are you? Like, she's like, oh, I'm supposed to be um, part of this show. And I'm like, what? Like, who are you? I don't know who you are. And it turns out that Lisa, they were filming Vanderpump Rules. And I was just right outside their restaurant. So they were two reality shows filming at the exact same time, only in L.A. Only in LA. So did Lisa think that like you were part of the Vanderpump Rules show that day? I have no idea, but someone got confused. So maybe you'll be in the background or some people, you know, some of the other doctors will be in the background of Vanderpump Rules and vice versa. Maybe. Do you know any, do, do you know any of the housewives, the real housewives? Like, I don't. Do you, I don't. I mean, cause you know, they've all had some stuff done. <laughs> but I can't share that information with you. <laughs> no. So, okay, let's talk about like the evolution of like plastic surgery on TV. So, back in 2002, Extreme Makeover. I don't know if you watched that. That was a good show. Did you watch Nip Tuck when it was out? I mean, not reality, but it was great. I've seen a couple episodes, but um, it was a pretty it was a pretty violent show, so I, I've seen a couple, like, episodes. Like, it was fabricated, yes. Yeah. Did you watch the first Dr. 90210 back in the day? You know, it came out when I was still in medical school. Um, my, like, I'm good friends with Dr. Alter and Dr. Tarani. They were the anesthesiologists and some of the Dr. 90210s 
on the original show. So I've seen clips of them, but I haven't seen the original, original show. I've heard of it. So how did you get involved now, like in casting? Like, how did that come about for you? So, you know, I really believe like sometimes things just happen because the universe wants it to happen. So I moved my practice from Chicago to Los Angeles because my husband was living in Los Angeles and I was practicing in Chicago. I got here and the first, one of the first emails I got through my website was from casting. And at the time I'm like, is this, this is so cliche. I land in Los Angeles. I get a casting call for a reality TV show. Like what, (laughs) you know? So I didn't even think it was real. I thought it was a scam, but I replied and, and then they did a screen test. And the next thing I knew I'm on the new Dr. Did you have any reservations, you know, like, okay, I'm here. I'm starting to build like a new practice. Like, do you have any reservations of like, you know, having watched some reality TV of like, this could go, it could be a great thing or it could go off the rails. Yeah, for sure. You know, just because there is a personal component to the new Dr. Nine Hundred Two, it's not just strictly about our professional lives. So I do have some reservations that, that, you know, people will judge the things I do or the things I say, and it's your, your life, you're opening up to the world, right? But at the same time, I feel like the benefit to being on the show far outweighs the risk. So I would, and I'm all about new experiences. So I'm like, oh yeah, why not? It's a once in a lifetime, like when would that ever, but that is very cliche, like you land in LA and the next thing you know, you're involved in a reality TV show. (laughs) (laughs) Did your, did your patients, like, did you find that like where like certain patients were like, oh my God, this is great. I can't wait to be a part of the show. And then other patients were just like, thank you, but I don't want any of my personal surgeries or Botox or anything out there for the world to see. Both, you know, the vast majority of my patients are actually very private um, patients. They don't want, you know, everything filmed, everything on Instagram. Um, But, you know, of course you have patients who are super supportive, but for the most part, most of my patients are very excited that I'm on this show. It's exciting, right? It's very exciting. What, um, like, what was, did you find it hard to get used to filming? Like, what was the best thing about the filming? Or were you just like a natural, you're like, oh, there's cameras there and I have a real job to do? You know, um, I found myself to be the most natural in the operating room, just because when I'm in the operating room, it doesn't matter what is around. It's just me and the patient. Um, Other than the operating room, when they're filming like home reality, that was, it took a little bit it took a minute for me to get used to the cameras because, you know, no one is used to um, having cameras around, but it's been such a cool experience, you know, getting to know the crew and the production team and you learn about a whole new industry and that's amazing. You know, did you know any of the other doctors before signing up for this show? Like Dr. Kat, Dr. Colleen. I know of them. Um, so Dr. Colleen, work in the same, almost the same building as me. And Dr. Kat operates out of the same operating room. So we weren't friends, but I knew of them. And without giving anything away, like what are some things we could expect from this amazing new show, which is here and arrived? Well, I think what's so exciting about this show, because this is the first national television show from a female perspective, a female surgeon's perspective. And this has never been done before. And not only, this is what a modern surgeon looks like. We're fun. We, I mean, 
I think for everyone involved, like, you know, this is what the new generation of beauty consumers want. Um, this is a new standard of what people think of when they think of plastic surgery. It's no longer about exaggerated features. There's so many new technology. And we also look at the personal lives of the four of us. It's very different to be a female surgeon versus a male surgeon, just going through life, how you interact with the office, how you interact with the OR staff. It's just very different. And this is the first time that a show is showcasing that. How is it different? Like, did you feel, because I, I read that statistic. I mean, I, I agree with all of that. It's almost like now that this show is here, it makes you think like, oh, like, why didn't we have this show like 10 years? Like, I agree. Yeah. It's totally time for this show. You don't really think about it. Like when you watch all these other plastic surgery shows, but now that this show's here, it makes you realize, oh yeah, there's really no show that's ever been on TV that focuses on female surgeons. You know, there might be one female surgeon in an ensemble cast, but I think that's why I think this is going to be a great show. But like, did you... I mean, how is that, like, were there, like, different challenges, like, in, like, med school, and then when you graduated, like, was that really a conscious thing? I read, I think, that there's 15% of the surgeons, of plastic surgeons, are women. Mm-hmm. There, you, you face different challenges along the way the whole time. So, when I was in medical school, surgery is a boys' club, like, across all specialties. Most people, when you, when, you, for, when you ask them to picture a surgeon, they picture a man, you know? Like, no one really thinks of a surgeon as a woman. Like, even to this day, if you just ask 10 people outside, uh, when I go into a patient's room, if I'm going in with a male nurse, they automatically look to the male nurse and think he's the surgeon, and they don't think of a surgeon as a she, you know? Dermatologists, maybe, ob guys, maybe, women doctors, but not surgeons. So when I was a medical student, a lot of people don't want me to go into surgery. I was my, I told my mother, I said, I want to be a plastic surgeon. My mom legit says to me, honey, why don't you just marry a plastic surgeon? This sounds so hard. <laughs> like, even my mom, yeah, my it mom was the one to do it. Yeah. So, you know, you face different pressures, whereas if you're a guy and you want to choose a career in surgery, most people support you and they, they don't say, oh, it takes so long, like you're going to, like, you know, how are you going to find a husband? How are you going to have kids? It takes like 15 years of your life and then you're going to be old and gray when you come out. <laughs> when you're in residency, most of the nurses are female. The interaction the female nurses have with male residents is completely different with you. You know, like there's flirting going on. No one's flirting with me. <laughs> Not with the OR nurses. And, you know, women can take orders from males much easier than from other women who are their age. And that's something every female surgical resident goes through. Like, you know, most women, they have to pull their own gloves, whereas that's naturally done for a male resident. Now, when you get to the workplace, the same thing happens. When I first started my job, I go into my job and the nurses uh, will round for my um, male partners, but they won't do the same thing for me. So you, you face sexism every step of the way, you know, so. I could see that. And maybe yeah. we'll see some of that, like, explored on the show. Like, are, are those yeah. issues discussed on the show? Well, I haven't seen the show yet, but we're very open for with our thoughts in our professional and personal lives. And do we get to see, I mean, is this the typical type of reality show where there's, we're going to see some drama between you and the other doctors? I'll admit it, as important as it is for me to eat healthy and put the right nutrients into my body and hydrate, 
I'm really not great at it. I'm always on the go. I'm never making that a priority. And I'm always hungry. This was a real problem until I discovered 310 Nutrition. I love 310 Nutrition's water hydrators. You just add them to water and they make your water taste so much better. They also have refreshing lemonade mixes. My personal favorite, they're all in one shapes. I love their caramel sundae, their vanilla cake, the shamrock cream. I drink one of these shakes and it totally satisfies my hunger. They're low in fat and low carbs, which I love. They also satisfy my carb craving. But don't take my word for it. Right now, 310 is celebrating a new year of goals with code VELVETROPE and giving our listeners 50% off up to $100 off your first order. With so many sample packs, new products, it's really fun and it's easy to put together an order or start a subscription on products you know you'll use. Go to 310nutrition.com and use the code VELVETROPE right now for 50% up to $100 for your first order. That's 310nutrition.com and use code VELVETROPE. I don't think there's, I I don't think so. (laughs) I don't think so. (laughs) What, so when this comes out, I mean, are you, I mean, have you thought that through of, you know, like how are, you know, like what are people going to think, you know, like, and you never know how it's going to get edited, you know, like, do you remember everything you've done? Are you just like, oh God, what did I do? And what did I say? I think, you know, we try to paint a very honest, um, look into our personal and professional lives. And then there, a lot of it is the stories of the patients and they try to be very open and honest about why they're getting plastic surgery. So I am like, you know, the crew and the cast have been so great. So I think people, I, I'm, I'm less worried about that. What about, have you ever watched Botched? Speaking of other plastic surgery shows. I have, I actually really like Botched. It's a great show, right? Yeah. Do you know, do you know Terry and Paul? I know of them, but I don't know them personally. Are there, I mean, are most cases, like to speak about what you spoke about earlier too, I mean, is that true that there's just mostly these revisionist surgeries? Like what percentage of your practice or if any plastic surgery practice is like a botched case or just like a revisionist, a revision surgery? So what I think is great about botched is that it shows the world that plastic surgery is not Disneyland serious complications can happen. So since Botch has been on for the last six years, when I talk about complications with my patients, they would say like, oh yeah, yeah, I saw that on Botch, like, you know, skin can die. Like, you know, before Botch, the the whole thought like, you know, complications can happen with plastic surgery is not in the consciousness of the mainstream, you know, like of the general patient. But when you look at the practice as a whole, most surgeries go well, you know, like a minority of surgeries end up needing revisions. Um, so for me in my practice to revise my own patients, it's a very low number. I see patients who are unhappy from other practices, but overall, most plastic surgeries go well. And I think, you know, I do want to kind of change the narrative that, you know, yes, there are complications, but for the most part, when you have surgeons who are doing safe surgery and with good expectations, most surgeries go well. That makes sense. I mean, I think that's a good point too. I never, like, you know, something could go wrong, but you never really thought about it in that sense. Yeah. Yeah. What do you hope like is accomplished from this new Dr. 90210? You know, like once, not even just for you personally, but like, do you think people will walk away and say, oh yeah, there are these competent women surgeons, you know, like what do you want people to get out of the show? I think um, first I want 
two things. Number one is that beauty is very diverse and inclusive now. There's not something, it's not a cookie cutter that you have to fit into. And to get plastic surgery, there's so many reasons why people get plastic surgery, not to, not just for vanity. Like there's, if there's something that bothers you, I want people to know there are tools and there are procedures that can happen that will fix the problem that bothers you. Um, it's so funny. This shows both very body positive at the, in the meantime, showing that plastic surgery is not all about vanity. And the second thing is that there are so many women who are still being dissuaded from pursuing a career in surgery or in the sciences. And I think um, a lot of it is that people think that you can't balance family, a career, and a very demanding job. Um, and this shows that it's not true. There's different paths that you can take. Um, the four of us, we're all at different stages of our career. We're all at different points in our life. Like I don't have kids that other doctors do, but there's not, it's, it's, you know, the road is paved by you. It's not a series of checkboxes you have to like get to. Does that make sense? Yeah, that, that makes yeah. sense. Did and, you, you know, I'm sorry. So, and yeah. people want different things. Like sometimes I go to meetings and people will look at me and they will say, oof, you are in your thirties have you considered freezing your eggs as like the first thing they say to, to me, like from other doctors. I mean, how do you know if I want to have children, you know, like just because you're a woman doesn't mean you automatically want to have kids. It's such a stereotype, right? Yeah. Well, like, yeah, like your mother saying like, you should just marry a plastic surgeon. <laughs> yeah. What about the differences in like a female plastic surgeon and a male plastic surgeon? Someone, one of the doctors made that quote during the trailer about like, I know what women want more because I'm a female. I, I don't know who said it. I don't know if you know the quote I'm talking about. Uh, I'm not a hundred percent sure. It just okay. struck me up. Like, okay. okay. Are you excited for the show to like kind of come out and have its moment? Oh yeah, absolutely. But you know, I think to your point about, you know, I, I know what women want because I'm a woman. What I think is so important is that you don't have to have the identical background as your patient to understand them, right? So there are great male doctors. There are great you know, doctors who are older, younger, whatever. I think the most important thing is that you have to be able to empathize with your patients. So you have to be able to put yourself in their shoes, even though you don't have the same problem as them, right? So in my practice, we have a lot of male patients. That, that doesn't mean that I don't understand them just because I'm not a guy. Um, I can understand that when they have gynecomastia or, you know, when they have excess breast tissue as a guy, it causes them a lot of self-consciousness and discomfort. Um, but so what's important is that it's not so much the gender of the surgeon or the doctor, but the one that who really listens to you and not dis uh, disregard whatever you're saying as like, oh, it's not important. Does that make sense? Yeah, totally. And I think it was just someone was making a, I think it was like a tongue in cheek quote where one of the patients was saying like, when I go to a male surgeon, they always think I want bigger breasts oh, and I actually want smaller breasts. And the doctor, I think it was Dr. Colleen. She was like, well, I, I totally get that, which that just made sense to me. I think that speaks to more of the surgeon who can't put themselves in the patient's shoes than all male doctors, you know? Totally. So. That's, that is true. How has COVID changed things? Like, I mean, now your practice, you said, is open and, you know, it's busier. Like, has COVID really changed anything or it's just now like business as usual now that you're back open? Well, we are taking a lot more uh, precautions. Everyone's temperatures are being checked. Everyone's getting a 
COVID tests. We do much more virtual consultations. So in some ways, I get to meet patients from far away, from across the country more, um, just because they people are more used to the virtual consultation. But other than that, you know, it's busier than ever. <laughs> it seems busier. I mean, I have other friends that are surgeons, and they say it's like it's busier than ever now. Yeah, for sure. And your practice, I'm sure, is going to get even busier once the show airs. I hope so. <laughs> is there anything that you want people to take away? Like, is there anything we haven't covered? Anything about I, the show coming up? Well, I hope people are really excited for this show because I think this show is long time coming. Um, it's a very fresh look on plastic surgery. We're the new generation of surgeons. Um, we're young. We're fun. We're confident. And you know what? I hope this breaks the stereotype of what a surgeon is supposed to look like, what, what they're supposed to act like, what they're supposed to dress like. And, you know, just know that he, surgeons are human beings as well. And social media. I mean, uh, something I've noticed, like, social media plays a big role in, like, a surgeon's career now. Some surgeons. <laughs> Some surgeons. But, but not in, like, a bad way. I mean, I think, like, in a good way, right? Like, surgeons, yeah, yeah. like, to your point... You know, like now, like, I don't know, like I've like DM surgeons on Instagram and they'll yeah. respond. I mean, it's all professional, but yeah. it's just different than like the olden days. Yeah, completely different. And I think cosmetic surgery is much more accessible now too. Like you can Google any procedure, you can probably find a video of it. You know, and it's really good when there's so much educational material out there. But also the flip side to that is that you have to, it's a buyer beware, right? Photos can be edited. I see so many photos on social media where um, it's Photoshopped or, you know, they're taking on table photos it's not an accurate representation when it's on table or the lighting's different or the angle is different so um, one common thing that people do is that when they do under eye filler the, the before picture they're looking up so then you see the shadows much more um, prominently and then the after they're looking straight at you or when you're doing nose filler the second picture is much more zoomed out and you don't see the actual size because it's still a 2d representation you don't know how long it's been since surgery. Everyone looks really great on table, but what about five months later? You know, so people have to be, to become experts at teasing out all the differences and not get fooled by a great before and after that could have been edited. That makes sense. Do you find a lot of people that come in, do you have unrealistic expectations of just like, you know, this is what your body is and like we can get it to be the best version of that body or that look, but like, I mean, do you find that? Because, you know, like, again, like, the trend where people were bringing in pictures of celebrities, you're just like, there's nothing, you're never going to look like this. Like, do you find that's a common theme? Or has that kind of gone away now, just like in the different world that we live in? Well, it's no longer that they're bringing in celebrities to to look like a celebrity. It's more um, altered or morphed or face-tuned photos because those tools are available. They can filter their, themselves and be like, can you make me look like, this filtered version of myself. Surgery is not a filter. Like we're not magicians that we can just do a swipe and that in your tissue heals. And, and it's really up to the surgeon to bring that expectation to what's possible in the realm of reality. Right. <laughs> you know? I think the show's going to be great. I mean, I'm so excited for it. Me too. It's going to be, listen, I think people, people love botched and people love the E-network. So I think, you know, this is like the next step. 
Is there anything else you want us to know before we wrap up? I feel like I want to, I like to give people a chance at the end to kind of cover whatever they want. Um, I think you covered a lot of the points. I think, you know, um, this is the, not really. <laughs> I mean, I, I think we covered it. I just, I'm always like, you know, I mean, it's going to well, be a, it's going to be a great show. Everyone needs to watch. I can't wait to see, to learn more about you through watching every week and your colleagues. So I really appreciate you taking your time. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. So everyone needs to tune in. Dr. Nano 210 on E, Dr. Michelle Lee. Thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. It's September 28th at e, on E. September 28th on E. Everyone needs to watch. Thank you so much. <laughs> Thank you, David. See you later. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to yet another episode of Behind the Velvet Rope. Because without you listeners, I would just be a crazy person with voices in my head. And if you like what you hear, subscribe, subscribe, subscribe on Apple Podcasts under Behind the Velvet Rope. And when you're done subscribing, feel free to leave a five-star write-up review because the write-up reviews actually count. We read each and every one of them. We post the best ones and the reviews really help our shows keep going. And we really appreciate everything you guys say, especially the positive ones. And if you want to find us online, we're at Behind Velvet Rope on Instagram. We are at David Yontef on Instagram. We're behind the Velvet Rope on Apple Podcasts. Or head on over to Patreon because you know what? There are just some things we can't talk about here. So for our bonus episodes, go to Patreon and type in Behind the Velvet Rope. And if you still aren't sick of me and you want more David, go to Cameo and book me on Cameo. And you can ask me anything there. I'll answer whatever you want. And I have a bargain basement price of $10. Thank you guys. See you soon.